What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So last week was week nine of the NFL season. In this episode, we're going to break down some of the headlines from last week, and then I'll talk about the Giants game, which it's going to be a tough game today for the Giants, probably against Dallas with Tommy DeVito, quarterback. But I'll give you my thoughts on that game in just a minute. We'll start off with the biggest headlines from last week, and one of them was a tough headline for me, considering I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. If you listened to this podcast before, you know I'm probably the biggest Daniel Jones fan out there. And last week, he suffered a season-ending ACL injury towards ACL, unfortunately. And it was a tough play. On the last play of the first quarter in that game, there was a first-down play. He tried to evade the rush of, I think it was Max Crosby. And he tried to get to the outside and run away from him. And as he's doing that, his knee kind of buckled when he like planted his foot into the ground. And he got up kind of gingerly, walked off to the sideline. Looked like he was in some pain in between quarters because that was the last play of the first quarter. In between the first quarter and the second quarter, he jogged back and forth supposedly and told the medical staff that he was okay and he was ready to go. But then on the first play of the second quarter, right away takes a snap, goes backwards, knee buckles again, it gives out. He falls on the ground, takes a sack, and unfortunately tore his ACL on his right knee. And even though he did walk off the field and was able to walk under his own power, you could tell things weren't right there, especially after his knee buckled after the last play of the first quarter. And if you look at Daniel Jones, over his career, he's tried to play through a million injuries for the Giants. And in this instance here, he clearly tried to fight it and play through the injury after the end of the first quarter. But he had to have known his knee was in trouble, especially you feel it buckle like that on the last play of the first quarter. And if you look at Daniel Jones, a tough kid, he's tried to play through a lot of things for the Giants from neck pain to ankle injuries, to hamstring injuries, and now obviously this injury with the knee. One thing people cannot question about Daniel Jones is his toughness and his grit. That's one thing you cannot question from his Giants career is how tough he is game in and game out. Night in and night out, game by game, play by play, he shows up knowing he's going to take a beating just about every single play and has never pointed a finger and always is the one that takes the blame after the game. Always is the one to take the blame. And you also have to remember during the summer and every single day during practice during the season, He's the first one in the facility and the first one out of the facility. He wants to win. He is dedicated to the game. And it's just bad luck that he's had to face his whole entire career, unfortunately. And I said earlier this season, when he went down with a neck injury, that I thought he'd probably be better off somewhere other than New York. I think he'd be better off outside of New York, I said at the time, where there's less pressure on him from the media, less pressure on him from a defensive standpoint. Hopefully that offensive line that he ends up having on another team is better. And hopefully he'd have a franchise that roots for him and supports him. Because Giants Nation on Twitter has rooted against the kid for the most part, especially this season. And that's one thing I've never done. I've stayed with Daniel Jones through every step of the way, through the good and the bad, through the highs of the rookie year, through the lows of the second and third years, and then obviously the fourth year in the NFL last year, really popping off to have a great season. I stayed with Daniel Jones every step of the way, and I'm still going to stay with him. I stayed with him every step of the way, and I do accept, though, at this point, heading into the offseason, there's a great likelihood that the Giants draft a new quarterback in the draft. We're likely going to have a top five pick. It's probably a lock at this point. And I think Daniel Jones will still be the starter next season at the beginning of the year if he's healthy to go. And then he'll hand the reins over midway through the season to the rookie. So Daniel Jones will basically be a stopgap for the rookie quarterback for the first, let's say, five to six, seven weeks of the season. Like we saw at Ryan Tano this season, handing the reins over to Will Levis. We're likely going to be a top five pick, and it seems like the Giants are going to go in a different direction. But one thing people don't realize is that the Giants have a team option to opt out of his contract after the second year of his deal. So after next season, the Giants have an ability to opt out of the contract and cut Daniel Jones. And in that case, they'd have $22 million of dead money, which is a lot. But still, if you look at that contract, four years, $160 million, nobody knows the terms of the deal. Nobody knows that the Giants have an opt-out after year two. 
And I think they constructed it thinking if things do go bad, we can get out of the deal in year two. Let's give them as much money as we can in year one and year two of the deal. So if we do end up getting rid of them, we can cut them for less money after year two and save money at the end of the day. Let's front load a lot of that money and then it's easy to move them, whether it's a cutting after the year's over, after the second year's over, or potentially a trade, which is very unlikely. It's probably going to be a release after that second year. They'll opt out and then release them. And if you look at Daniel Jones and his career in the Giants, he was never really given an opportunity to succeed. From abysmal offensive lines, three head coaches, four offensive coordinators, no time to throw, under consistent pressure, average weapons at best for the most part besides Saquon, Barkley, and Darren Waller, and injuries to himself and others. The offense had a lot of injuries over the last few years. Evan Ingram seemed to always be banged up. Darius Slayton's had injuries. Saquon Barkley's had injuries, even though he's healthy all of last season. He was hurt for a good amount of games this season as well. He's missed. And then they've had other injuries as well, like Andrew Thomas going down on the offensive line, Evan Neal being banged up, John Michael Schmitz, the starting center, being hurt. So if you look at everything around Daniel Jones, he was set up to fail. And that's what John Mara noted. He said the Giants did everything to fail him. And I feel so bad for Daniel Jones. I really do. He deserves so much better than this. But he's been dealt such a bad hand and has such bad luck that this is the way his Giants career is likely going to end. With an ACL injury, even though I think he might still be the starter heading into next season if he's healthy, I think they're going to draft a quarterback after this year is over, which means after year two, Daniel Jones will likely be gone. And that's year two of his contract. But I still believe in Daniel Jones. I still believe he's a franchise quarterback. I still believe he can be a Super Bowl winner, like I said in my Raiders show a couple years ago. I still believe he can be a winning quarterback in this league. I really do. And I think he'll go elsewhere and be a beast. I still believe in Daniel Jones. And I noted before, and this was a couple years ago, and people wanted him gone after the 2021 season. I said, I think Daniel Jones is going to be Jim Plunkett. Go to a different team, like the Las Vegas Raiders. This is what I noted a couple years ago, just like Jim Plunkett did, going from the Patriots to the Raiders, and win a couple Super Bowls. After all the fans drove him out of town, and he was in a poor situation in New England, and this is Jim Plunkett, he went to Vegas and won the Super Bowl. And I think Daniel Jones could do the same thing. I really do believe in him. He finishes the year with two passing touchdowns, six interceptions. I believe four of those were off receivers' hands, but in the stat sheet, it goes down as an INT, obviously, and he did have a rushing touchdown on the year as well. So my thoughts are with Daniel Jones, hopefully a speedy recovery, and I will always be Daniel Jones' biggest fan no matter what at the end of the day. Whether he's starting for the Giants or starting for any other team in the league, I will always support Daniel Jones. And I thank him for all the fun memories along the way. If this is it, Daniel, thank you for everything you've done for the Giants over the last five years. Because I know everything wasn't beautiful. You weren't really set up in a perfect situation at all, ever, which not many quarterbacks are set up in a perfect situation. But Daniel Jones never pointed a finger. Getting hit play after play, getting hit a record number of times in multiple games, being one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL this season, and that's even with missing games, and he never pointed a finger. Game by game, play by play, he got up and tried to fight through everything, and that's obviously what you saw there with the knee injury. He tried to fight through it, and it's obviously so sad to see. So wishing Daniel nothing but the best in his recovery, and if this were to be it, Daniel, I'll support you no matter where you end up. So now I'm going to move on to talk about Josh Dobbs, who had a great performance last week for the Vikings. He came off the bench after five days from his trade from Arizona to Minnesota. He came off the bench with the Vikings started quarterback being Jaron Hall. He went down with an injury. So Dobbs steps in off the bench five days after being traded, didn't know his teammates' names for the most part, and he had to teach his offensive line during a timeout his snap cadences. He had to teach them what his snap cadences were during a timeout so they could get the snap countdown. And even with all that adversity and stepping in right after being traded, he stepped in and helped the Vikings win 31-28 over Atlanta. He absolutely balled out. He was 20-30 passing, 158 yards, two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Did fumble twice. That's one thing he has to get better at is protecting the ball. 
did also 66 yards on the ground. One of the best storylines of the NFL this season. The Vikings are a team to watch out for as they've turned their year around. They started the season 0-3, and now they're 5-4 heading into this week. And they play the Saints today. They are an underdog against the Saints today. But the Saints have been hit and miss all season. I think the Vikings are going to win today. Josh Dobbs is an absolute gamer. Plays very hard. Week in and week out, he shows up and gives it his all, even if the stat sheet doesn't always show that. He is hustling every single play and doesn't give up. I'm a big fan of him. I'm rooting for him to do well. I think the Vikings have a big win today over the Saints. Next up, we have CJ Stroud's takeover over the league, which now he's the front runner for Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so. Had a big game last week against Tampa Bay, winning that game 39-37, 29 second-half points for the Houston Texans, who are now 4-4 four and four in the season. And CJ Stroud has impressed all season long. Stroud being the best rookie quarterback and being a top 15 quarterback in the NFL is probably my best offseason prediction. Probably my best offseason prediction overall. I was very high on him, even though I was criticized for it. I had him, I believe, around 15 or 16 heading into the season. I know a lot of people disagreed with me on that. But now people are seeing how good he is, and he's doing it at such a quick pace. Stepping into the league in just year one, and already looks like a polished NFL quarterback that's been a veteran in the league for four to five years. I had him at top 15, and that's still somehow underestimating him. And even though nobody had him around the top 15, I was probably one of the only people, I still somehow underestimated him, having him at 15. Right now, I think he stands around top 5-7 to seven quarterback in the NFL based on how he's played this season. He has looked awesome, and he's elevating the guys around him. Last week, he was 30-42 passing, a 71% completion percentage, 470 yards, and 5 touchdowns. Noah Brown, a former Cowboy, had 153 yards and a touchdown in that one. Tank Dell, another guy I was very high on heading into the season, 114 yards and two touchdowns. A great rookie and rookie connection there for Stroud and Tank Dell. Love seeing those guys connect for a touchdown. They do the squabble week in and week out when they score a touchdown. That's something I look forward to every single week when they do score. Nico Collins, 54 yards and a touchdown. He's had a great breakout season. And then Dalton Schultz also had a great game, former tight end for the Cowboys. He had 130 yards and a touchdown in that game. CJ Stroud has elevated all of the guys around him from the receivers all the way to the offensive line that really doesn't have too much talent besides Laramie Tunsil, who's been hurt. And they've found a way to put points on the board week in and week out. And credit to CJ Stroud. He has looked awesome. He's going to win Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so. And he's right up there for an MVP candidate right now. He really is. I'd say he's top three right now as an MVP candidate in the NFL. 14 touchdowns for one pick as a rookie. 14 touchdowns for one pick. And he's doing it without a great offensive line at all. Very weak offensive line, I'd say, overall. He's making them look better than they are. Probably getting rid of the ball quick. And he's doing it with receivers that he's making better. He's elevating their game. And I know a lot of people are criticizing CJ Stroud in the draft process because of his weak exam score on the Wonderlic test. But at the end of the day, like CJ Stroud said, he's a football player, not a test taker. And I'm the same way. I'm not a test taker at the end of the day. I've never been a great test taker in high school or college. So I understand where CJ Stroud's coming from on that. I really do. And he's shown he's a football player, not a test taker. And you see why he's been balling out as a rookie. And he's a big reason the Texans are 4-4 four four in the season. They've been a surprise team, but they're a team I was high on heading into the season. I had them, I believe, at six or seven wins. And I saw this team being elevated because of CJ Stroud. Probably my best offseason take, I would say. Next up, the Dolphins had a tough loss in Germany. 21-14 last week to the Kansas City Chiefs. Two attack of Loa could not handle the last snap of the game. And that's how the game ended, unfortunately. Six straight losses for the Dolphins against winning teams. Their last win versus a winning team was last year in Week 3 versus Buffalo. Six straight losses to winning teams. But against teams that are under 500, they they're 12-5. Since Week 3 of 2022... They had 12 and 5 versus teams under 500, but 0 and 6 versus teams with a winning record. So obviously they've been struggling against winning teams. And so people are questioning is it time to panic for the Dolphins team? And I would say no. There's too much talent on this team to give up on them. And the firepower they have is so dangerous. 
with just pure speed, Devon Achan, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, two attack will always been great, and MVP candidate as well. I would not give up on this team. Mike McDaniel's a great head coach, and I think they'll figure things out. They have the bye week this week to get back on track, and they're still the best team in the division in my eyes. I think the Dolphins will be fine. So last week, there were a lot of backup quarterbacks that played in the NFL. It's that time of the year where midway through the season, guys are getting hurt. Everybody's banged up for the most part at this point of the season, especially quarterbacks. So Britt Rippon started last week for the Rams. Tommy DeVito stepped into the game when Daniel Jones went down for the Giants. Tyson Bagent started last week for Chicago. Great story as a Division II quarterback, now a starter in the NFL. Clayton Toon started last week for Arizona. Really struggled in his debut in the NFL, but a guy that I was really high on Coming out of college at the University of Houston, he looked great in his college days with Tank Dell. Taylor Heineke started last week for Atlanta. Journeyman backup quarterback, who Mike Hurley, the sports guru, is a big fan of. Desmond Erda was benched last week for Taylor Heineke, and it seems like Heineke will be the starter this week as well, according to reports. So, looks like it's Heineke's job now. Jaron Hall started for Minnesota last week. Did struggle in limited snaps before going down with an injury, unfortunately. And then Josh Dobbs did step in and got the Vikings a big win. Guy Minshew started last week for Indianapolis. Another journeyman who has won some games in the NFL as a starter, though. A lot of experience, obviously. And then Aiden O'Connell was the other rookie starter from last week for the Raiders. Took over with Jimmy G being benched. And Jimmy G looked off on Monday Night Football in Week 8. I think it was versus Detroit. They lost the game 26-14. to And he missed Devontae Adams, I'd say, for maybe four or five big plays. And you can see Devontae Adams is very frustrated. He's been open about wanting more targets and wanting to win games this season. He doesn't think that the Raiders have a winning culture. And with that being said, the Raiders last week fired not only their head coach, Mike McDaniels, they benched Jimmy Garoppolo, and they fired Dave Ziegler, the general manager of the Raiders. So they've completely cleared house for the most part, and they found a way to win last week. They completely flipped things around and changed the mojo of the entire locker room by firing Mike McDaniels. He definitely lost the locker room during his time with Vegas. And if you look at what they were doing after they beat the Giants last week with Antonio Pierce as their head coach, the Raiders were celebrating, rejoicing, smoking cigars in the locker room like they just won the Super Bowl. So that just proves they were not big fans of Mike McDaniels. The Raiders were having fun again, and their vibes were elite last week after their win over the Giants, which the Giants have had a tough season. But in their first game with Antonio Pierce as their interim head coach, they got a big win. And their vibes were immaculate. McDaniels as a head coach in the NFL is 20 and 33 overall in his career, 377 win percentage. Two years in Vegas, he was 9 and 16. He was fighting week 13 of his second year with the Denver Broncos and was just fighting week 8 of his second year for the Las Vegas Raiders. He is now done, probably, as a head coach in the NFL. I don't think he gets another opportunity. I really don't. Sometimes changing head coaches and mixing up quarterbacks can really change the dynamic and momentum of a team. It can completely flip the luck and mojo of a team. And we saw that last week. The Raiders got a W over the Giants. But tonight they face the New York Jets on Sunday Night Football. And I'm really pumped that Zach Wilson have a big game in this one. Everybody loves to rip Zach Wilson on social media. But I think he could shine under the bright lights of Sunday Night Football like he did versus the Kansas City Chiefs in that game that I predicted. I predicted a big breakout game in that game from Zach Wilson. I believe it was in week four. And he ended up shining. And people kind of changed their opinion of him. Which It's a week-to-week league. People make their opinions of... Players week to week, people make their opinions of teams week to week. Some teams show up one week and don't show up the other week. It's a week to week league all around from opinions, teams showing up, players showing up, whatever it may be. It's a week to week league in my eyes. And a lot of people, for the most part, have been down on Zach Wilson. I'm rooting for him to have a good game tonight. And I think the Jets will get a win over the Raiders. Even though the Raiders had a big win last week with Antonio Pierce as their head coach in his first game, I think the Jets get a win tonight. So for the Giants, they'll be playing Dallas today on the road. Tough game for Tommy DeVito, the backup quarterback. He'll be starting in his first start of his NFL career. 
And he'll actually be making history today since he'll be the 10th rookie quarterback to start a game this season, which is the most in NFL history in a single season. So that's obviously something to keep your eye on. There, 10 rookie quarterbacks have started a game in the NFL this year, with a lot of them coming over the last week or so. Jaron Hall last week for the Vikings, Tommy DeVito for the Giants, just to name a few there. An interesting thing about DeVito and his story is that he still lives at home, was born and raised a New York Giants fan, went to Don Bosco Prep in New Jersey, born and raised Giants fan. So it's obviously a dream come true already, just playing for the Giants, even as a backup, even in the preseason to make it, for that matter. Making it on the Giants' preseason squad is a dream come true for a hometown kid from New Jersey who grew up a Giants fan. Not only did he make it from the preseason onto the practice squad, but onto the active roster as a backup, and now as a starter. So obviously it's a dream come true for the kid. It's a dream come true. Went to Syracuse to college, transferred to Illinois, makes it on the Giants now, and will be the starting quarterback today. So no matter what happens in the game, no matter the outcome, this is a dream come true for the kid, and I'm rooting for him to do well. I'm rooting for him to do well. It's a great underdog story seeing him make it. And then if you read the articles over the last week or so in the media, it's a great story. He had a quote this past week where he said, I don't have to worry about laundry, what I'm eating for dinner, chicken cutlets, and all that is waiting for me when I get there. My mom still makes my bed. Everything is handled for me. So DeVito still lives at home as an undrafted free agent. You're not making much money. And he probably lives close to the stadium. Hometown kid. Grew a Giants fan, as I said. So he's probably not too far from MetLife Stadium in the practice facility. And his teammate, Justin Pugh, had a great quote in response to that quote from DeVito. He said, that is the greatest. You know what? Smart. Saving his money. Genius. And DeVito was an undrafted free agent. You're not going to make much money. And he also noted that his mother still makes his bed, which is still funny. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent. Now he's in the NFL, starting for the Giants today. Still has dinner made for him. Still is home, having his laundry taken care of and all that. It's a great story. You, I'm going to root for the kid to do well. He's an undrafted free agent. I always root for those guys that are underdogs. And especially got a group of Giants fan. This is a dream come true at the end of the day. And he's a guy that's easy to root for. A guy that grew up a Giants fan, as I said. Probably not too far from the stadium. And as an undrafted free agent, you root for those guys in general. Guys that are making it against all odds when nobody really gave them the chance. You can root for those guys at the end of the day, no matter what team they're on. We're on the Giants, it becomes even better. It's going to be a tough game, though, against Dallas. I'm sure Dallas is a good team. If the Giants want to win this game today, it has to be a low-scoring game. It has to be a 17-14, 13-10 game. Probably very unlikely. Not saying it's going to happen. But if the Giants were to win this game today, it would be 17-14. That would be my prediction if the Giants win this game. What's a realistic prediction? Probably around 28-17, 28-13, roughly around there. Maybe 27-17, I'll say. 27-17 Dallas is what I'm going to go with. But if the Giants want to win this game today, they have to keep the score around 17 points. They're not going to score too many touchdowns in today's game. I'd say 17 points would be the max for the Giants. So that's why I'm going to go with Dallas realistically winning this one, 27-17. But as I've already noted, if the Giants were to win, it has to be a score around 17-13, 17-14. But for the Giants, they have a lot that they're playing for, especially in the draft. I know a lot of people look at the Giants and they wonder, should the Giants just try to lose out for the rest of the season in hopes of leading the first overall pick? Where the Giants currently stand, they have the fourth overall selection in this upcoming draft. Heading into today's game, they have the fourth overall pick. So a lot of people are wondering, should the Giants just lose the rest of the games the rest of the way and try to get the first overall pick? And here's how I feel about the situation. I've always been in favor of winning games. I've always rather the Giants win than tank. I understand both ways, though. Sometimes you'd rather lose earlier on, let's say, and have a record of 4-13 than rather be 10-7, and make the playoffs, and lose in the first round. A lot of people are going to tend to side with the way of getting a higher draft pick. I've been like that in the past before with the Giants, especially in, in some of those dark years after they won the Super Bowl. We had a lot of bad seasons, so I was favoring a higher draft pick. But where we currently stand over the last probably four or five years, I've always been in favor of winning games than losing. 
of always rather the Giants win than lose. And as I said, I understand both ways. But I feel like developing a winning culture is so important, especially in the NFL today. And the reality is this. The Giants are going to have a good draft pick no matter what happens. Daniel Jones' injury last week locked the Giants into a top five pick. They're going to be picking in the top five probably no matter what. Even with higher draft picks, though, in tanking, the Giants have missed on a lot of high picks. Eric Flowers, Eli Apple, DeAndre Baker, Kadarius Toney, Evan Neal. Evan Neal really doesn't look good in the year and a half he's been with the Giants. I know it's early to really call him a bust yet. Maybe they move him to God next year if they do draft a tackle in the draft. But those are some guys I just named right there that the Giants took in the first round. DeAndre Baker wasn't really the Giants' pick. It was, I think, Kansas City's pick, and the Giants traded back into the first round to get him. But regardless, all of those picks were high draft picks that the Giants missed on. So sometimes tanking doesn't always work. If you're hitting draft picks, that's a big difference. But I know a lot of Twitter GMs and social media GMs are going to share their thoughts on the process and what the Giants should ultimately do, and they're going to say the Giants should lose out and go for this person or that person, go for player A or player B. And honestly, this is just about every single season. Every single year, people find a guy that they're watching in college, and it seems like most of the fan base, whether it's the Giants or other fan bases, fall in love with a certain college quarterback watching their film, and they say lose out the rest of the season and get this guy in the first round. So I have a whole rundown of guys that the Giants fan base wanted over the last five or six years or so, and they wanted the Giants to lose out to get these guys in the first round. And if you look at the Giants, a lot of the time they're struggling midseason like they are this year. A lot of people are watching their college teams, watching a lot of college football, and they're saying the Giants should just lose out the rest of the way and get this guy. In 2018, it was Sam Donald or Josh Rosen. In the 2019 draft, it was Dwayne Haskins, a guy that I was a big fan of coming out of college. I wanted him on the Giants, and obviously such a tragedy of what happened to him. God bless Dwayne Haskins, and I'm still thinking of him and his family. Still can't believe that happened. Truly is such a tragedy at such a young age as well. In 2020, I would say more Giants fans were happy with Daniel Jones' rookie year, so nobody really wanted a quarterback in the 2020 draft. In 2021, though, everybody wanted, it seemed like, Zach Wilson. Midway through the 2020 season, the Giants were struggling. They were looking forward to the 2021 draft, and a lot of people were talking about Zach Wilson and the Giants potentially going out and getting him if they had a high draft pick. The Giants ended up having, I believe it was the 11th overall pick. They ended up trading down after that, and they ended up not needing a quarterback. They just rolled with Daniel Jones for another year. But I know a lot of people going into that 2021 draft, especially during, let's say, November of 2020, when they're watching the Giants play and they're watching Zach Wilson tear it up at BYU, a lot of people wanted Zach Wilson on the Giants. But after the 2020 season as well, everybody wanted the Giants to trade for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson in the 2021 offseason. So the same offseason that Zach Wilson was getting drafted to the Jets. And I would say things worked out for the Giants. They're not trading a monstrous package and giving a fully guaranteed deal to Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Both of those things worked out. In the 2022 draft, everybody wanted the Giants to draft Malik Willis. During the season, a lot of the time, with a lot of these guys I've mentioned, it's October, November of the college football season. The Giants are struggling midway through the year, let's say week seven or week eight. And a lot of people on Twitter and on social media want a lot of these guys because the Giants are struggling and they want the Giants to lose out and have a draft pick to take these guys. In 2022, Malik Willis was just another one of those guys. A guy that was hyped by the fan base that everybody wanted. And the same goes in the 2023 draft. The Giants were struggling at one point last year, which is hard to believe. The Giants were 7-2 last season when they're 2-7 at this point in the season now. But last year, at one point, the Giants did struggle and lost a couple games in a row. People were talking about the Giants going out and getting Anthony Richardson when Daniel Jones was struggling. And Anthony Richardson did look good earlier on this season before his injury, but it's really tough to make a grade on what he's going to be in the NFL considering it was just a short sample size. But those are just a handful of guys that the fan base wanted over the last five or six years or so. It seems like every single year there's a new guy that the fan base wants the Giants to get when they're struggling midseason. The way I look at it today and where the Giants currently stand, I still want to win. 
I'm going to be rude for Tommy DeVito to be doing well. I want him to succeed, especially with how great a story he has. And also, I want the Giants to win games. It's important for this team to develop a winning culture. Last year was great. This year, it seems like a completely different team. The locker room seems like it's on the verge of breaking, considering a week or so ago, Xavier McKinney made a comment saying he feels like the team leaders aren't being heard in the locker room, which Wink Martindale, the Giants defense coordinator, did not like hearing that comment. He took it personally. It seems like the locker room could be potentially splitting. There's obviously a lot of turmoil around the future of the franchise. And then you also have a huge amount of injuries. Daniel Jones going down, put a nail in the coffin in the Giants season in my eyes. The 2-7 heading into today, playing a tough Dallas team. I still want to win the game. I'm still rooting for the Giants to win. My goal always when I watch the Giants play, especially over the last five years, even when they're struggling, is that I want the Giants to win. That's always my goal. That's always my goal. In 2021, when the Giants were struggling, I was focusing more on Daniel Jones and Saquon succeeding because I felt bad with how much they were criticized. I felt like they were unfairly criticized. I'm still rooting for the Giants to win today. We'll see what happens in the game. A couple of the games that I wanted to mention... So, Sunday Night Football, I already mentioned, but I wanted to go into it for one more second. You have the Raiders and the Jets going at it. The Jets have found a way to stay afloat with Zach Wilson, a quarterback. I know a lot of people are still criticizing him. A lot of people are going at Robert Sala and his comments over the last week, saying he pleads a fifth about why he's still starting Zach Wilson. I still think Zach Wilson keep them competitive at the end of the day. If he can find a way to get confidence like he had in that Sunday Night Football game against the Chiefs, that's a big difference maker. He looked like a completely different quarterback in that game and outperformed Patrick Mahomes in that one. He outperformed Patrick Mahomes in that Sunday Night Football game just based off pure confidence. And I'm rooting for him to do that again tonight. I think the Jets pick up a win on Sunday Night Football. And then the other game I want to mention, you have the Ravens and the Browns going at it. The Ravens are at home versus Cleveland. A Cleveland team that's been strong to begin the year. They're 5-3 on the season. The Baltimore Ravens are 7-2, a team that a lot of people like as a top 2 or 3 team in the NFL. And rightfully so, they've been great both ways on the year. But with that being said, I think this could be a potential letdown game for the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore's hosting Cleveland. Obviously, things are going well for them. Momentum's high right now. They're red hot as of late. They're a top two to three team in the NFL in most people's eyes. But I think Cleveland's defense is going to find a way to make it tough on Lamar Jackson today. Miles Garrett is a potential defensive player of the year award winner this year. And I think they're going to make it hard on Lamar Jackson today. I really do. I think Cleveland has an upset win over Baltimore today. And then another game that I want to mention really quick, we have the Cincinnati Bengals and Houston Texans going at it. I think this game's going to be a fun one to watch. I think Cincinnati's going to find a way to win. But I think it's going to be right down to the wire. I'm going to go Cincinnati winning this one, let's say 35-31. I think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout battle. Obviously, two great quarterbacks going at it, C.J. Stroud, and then obviously Joe Burrow as well. He's starting to find a way to get things going as of late. So that's definitely a game to keep your eye on. And one other thing I wanted to mention, I was talking about the Giants and their draft picks and a lot of people wanting the Giants to go out and get a certain quarterback during the college football season when they're watching games. They see a certain guy watching the film and they say, oh, I want this guy, I want that guy. This season for the NFL draft in 2024, Everybody wants the Giants to go out and get Caleb Williams and Drake May. Those are the top two quarterbacks in a lot of people's eyes. The way I feel about it, I think Michael Penix is the best quarterback in this draft. I was a fan of him since last season. My buddy Dylan, who came on the podcast, the New York Giants super fan that came on the podcast when I was on my radio show at BC, he was the one that pointed out Penix to me. And I remember watching him play about a year or two ago now, and I was like, yeah, dude, you're right. This kid can play. He has the ability. He can be an NFL quarterback, has a strong arm, very good IQ as well for the game. Pretty good decision maker. But a lot of people criticize him for his age. Since he's 23 years old, turning 24 by the time next season begins. But I think when you look at it, I understand the age might be an issue in a lot of people's eyes. The kid's still talented. I know he had injuries in college. But if you're looking based purely off film, he can make a lot of NFL throws. So I think Penix right now, the way things currently stand, I think he's the best quarterback in this upcoming draft. Then I'd say Drake May is a second. And then after that... It's tough. I mean, Caleb Williams, I think, is a good quarterback. I think he's overhyped. I think Drake May may even be overhyped to some degree, but I think he's better than Caleb Williams. 
And I know where the Giants currently stand at 2-7 and seven with the fourth overall pick if the season ended today. I know they're going to go out and draft a quarterback. I've already accepted that Daniel Jones' days as the New York Giants starting quarterback are probably gone and done. It's sad to say, it's sad to see, but I've accepted the Giants are more than likely probably taking a new quarterback and completely restarting. With that being said, though, I still don't think Daniel Jones is the issue in this team. There were a lot more issues than Daniel Jones. The offensive line was struggling. The weapons couldn't stay healthy. Obviously, Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas going down with injuries was tough for the offensive line. Evan Neal's struggles were an issue. And if you look at it, Daniel Jones was set up to fail at a lot of the points during his time with the Giants. I don't really blame him for the reason the Giants' season went the way it did. Just pure bad luck with the injuries and things that went in the Giants' favor last season weren't going in the favor of the Giants this year. And that's just the way football goes. That's the beauty of the game. Week to week, there's a different team, a different player that overperforms and underperforms based on the past week and obviously the entire season. It's a week-to-week league. Just like people make their opinions of players on a week-to-week basis. That's just the way things go. Daniel Jones had a lot of fans at one point last season. But right now, it seems like there are no fans of Daniel Jones in Giants Nation. But one thing I want to say is this. I'm going to support Daniel Jones no matter where he ends up. Whether it's with the Giants or elsewhere, I'm always going to be a Daniel Jones fan. I truly think he still can be a baller in the NFL and be a winner. I really do still believe in him. And what happened this season doesn't change my opinion of him. But over the last couple weeks, I've accepted the fact that the Giants are probably going to draft a quarterback since they're going to have such a high pick. And they can get out of DJ's contract, even though there's a good amount of dead money there, they can get out of it easily after year two ends. Easily meaning you're still chewing a lot of money, but it's not like you have $200 million in guaranteed money left, like Russell Wilson, like Deshaun Watson. Denver and Cleveland are both in tough situations in regards to what they gave up for both of those quarterbacks and the guaranteed money they gave both of them. They just put themselves in a complete hole with those guaranteed contracts. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.